Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. If you'd like to contact us, contact us at info at CheyenneVineyard.com. You can also find out more information about the Cheyenne Vineyard Church at CheyenneVineyard.com. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for your presence. We love your presence. We ask for more. So how does that proverb go? Um, Where there's no ox, the stall is clean. But with the ox comes much increase. Is it okay with you if things get a little messy around here? Don't go according to our plan? I hope so. Because <laughs> uh, our, our plan is always secondary to his plan. And I, I think he's getting ready to take a little more prerogative on implementing his plan, and that's perfectly fine with me. And in that proverb, I think the ox is symbolic of the work of the Holy Spirit. Where where there have been significant moves of the Holy Spirit, it throughout the last 2,000 years, it's been messy. Um, Sometimes it's been hard to tell exactly what is God and what is the enemy's fabrication. And so some some churches over the centuries have decided just it, it's safer to to be clean and and just do our own thing our own way and then we can have complete control over anything. Nothing's going to get out of hand. Nothing is going to nothing is really going to happen. That's the reality. Uh, I don't want that. Uh, I want the mess. I, I want whatever God wants to do in whatever way He wants to do it. If that involves me laying on the floor sobbing and snot running out of my nose, that that is perfectly fine with me. As I'm asking God to touch me like that. And if it happens here, that's that's fine with me. You guys can do whatever you want to do. <clears throat> I I think this is a message that that the Lord wants released today because I've been trying to get here for three weeks <laughs> and now <laughs> I've, I've finally laid all the groundwork uh, for this message and it, it is important. Because if, if we are actually approaching the end of the age, 
the day of the Lord. And I, I truly believe that we are that generation. That the Lord has created each of us for such a time as this. He has wired us to be part of this generation. And he's wanting us to be prepared for all that is involved with that. And he is wanting us to begin to change the way we live, giving him more of ourselves, of our time, uh, positioning ourselves to be those people that Jesus describes at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and this is not up there. Um, So Jesus said at the end of Matthew 7, where he is really describing a lifestyle, uh, a way of living that, that is necessary whoa, <laughs> to be prepared for the end of the age. I, I believe that's what he was talking about. And in chapter 7, verse 24, he begins, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. But this is a voluntary kingdom at this point. So we can hear the word of the Lord and do nothing. And that's what he says next. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell in great was the fall of it. So we want to position ourselves to be the wise people who hear what the Lord is saying and we actually do it. We, we enter into the wisdom of, of what Jesus is saying and what Paul is also saying in the New Testament. So what, what I've been wanting to tell you for three weeks, and I've, I've kind of told you bits of it over the last few weeks, is that there, there is a gospel of the kingdom that the Lord calls his people into. And that, that gospel of the kingdom involves... Uh, a change in government in our being that I am no longer in charge of my life. Jesus is in control because he is the king, he is the Lord, and 
he gets to tell me what to do because he paid for me. He purchased me. But because this is a voluntary kingdom, there, there are those who don't fully enter in to the apostolic gospel, the gospel of the kingdom that I just told you. They, they believe with their mind that Jesus is the Christ. They, they call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. And that's as far as it gets. Uh, that, that is a sad reality. But, I mean, if, if you've lived uh, the life of following Jesus and been in church for uh, much of your life like, like I have, uh, you've, you've seen it. I mean, it, it happens. So, a question that arises is, well, is, is God, who is the God of justice, is, is he going to treat those, those people who fully enter into the gospel of the kingdom the same as, as those who do nothing but believe. And, and that is, that's the extreme, okay? And, and, and the answer to that, as, as I've searched the New Testament, is, is no. Uh, God, being a God of justice, he's not going to treat those two groups of people the same. So the, the question then is, because there, there is this parable of the landowner who, who goes into town and he, um, he hires some people early in the morning to come work and then he hires some later in the morning and some in the afternoon and some right by the end of the day and, and they all come and they work for him and then at the end of the day he pays them all the same. And we say, well, that sounds like he treats everybody the same. Well, that, that has to do with the reward of eternal life. There, there are other rewards in entering into the gospel of the kingdom. So last week, to lay some groundwork, I, I went through the, the general schedule of events that we see uh, presented in the New Testament related to the time of the end. And, yeah, you, you can put that one up. Uh, <clears throat> and I will go through that very quickly, and then we're going to focus basically on one sort of subset of, of events, because that's, that's where where we need to go. So, first of all, we looked at how there's a time of persecution of the church. There's a, a great apostasy, a great falling away, leading to the great tribulation, and also the great harvest. Second, there, there will be a gathering, removal, some call it rapture of the church. Prior to 
God pouring out the seven bowls of wrath on the evil people who remain on the earth. Now, I'm not going to get into the details today, whether that rapture is before the Great Tribulation, at the middle of the Great Tribulation, or at the end of the Great Tribulation. Uh, Personally, I I don't believe it's before the Great Tribulation. Uh, The way way I read Scripture, it's, it's closer to the end. So regardless of, and I would love to be wrong. I would love for the rapture to be at the beginning of the Great Tribulation. Don't get me wrong. But regardless, the the Bible warns the people of God that there will be a time of great difficulty, that the church will go through, it will involve persecution. And some of that is before what's called the Great Tribulation, and a lot of that is, is during. So whether that rapture of the church happens early, middle, or, or late, we, we still have to be ready to endure a time of difficulty and persecution and pressure. And if, if, you're, if you're not feeling, sensing in, in your spirit that an increase in pressure, then I, I encourage you to seek the Lord for discernment of the times that we're in. Because the, the times that we're in are, are getting serious. Uh, I mean, there, there is so much happening on, on the earth right now, it's, it's hard to keep track. And it's, it's probably not worthwhile to even try <laughs> to keep track of everything. What we need to keep track of is what God is doing and what He's saying. And, and then we'll be ready. So then there is a judgment coming of evil on the earth. Then, item number four, the return of Jesus. The believers go before the judgment seat of Christ. The millennium begins. And there is a first resurrection involving not all believers. And this, this is where the message gets a little controversial because you, you don't hear this teaching very much and this is a relatively new revelation to me. But I think this is important for us in the days that we live in because the Lord is releasing encouragement to us through this to be faithful the rest of our days so that we will be found among the blessed and holy who get to take part in that first resurrection and then rule with Jesus in the thousand-year millennium. Uh, Item number five, during the millennium, Jesus fully establishes the kingdom of heaven on the earth And he physically rules and reigns from Jerusalem. 
Item six, at the end of the millennium, the end of that thousand-year earthly reign, Satan, who had been bound for the thousand years, is released for a short time, and there, there is a great rebellion that he leads that takes place on the earth, and that rebellion is crushed, and the, the way that it appears in Scripture is it's crushed like that. <laughs> With the sword of his mouth, Jesus wins the battle. Whew. <laughs> and then we have the final judgment, the white throne judgment for all the unsaved. They then go with the devil and his demons to the lake of fire for eternal punishment. And then finally, Jesus, after having fully brought the kingdom on the earth, defeated the final rebellion, presents the kingdom to the Father, and then we have a new heaven and a new earth coming forth where this time all of the people of God, all of those who believe in the name of Jesus, will be with God in the new heaven and the new earth for eternity. So, if you've been paying attention, you, you might have some questions right now. Uh, like, what happens to those people who, who don't make the first resurrection and rule and reign with Jesus in the millennium, but yet they are part of the final new heaven and new earth with God. And that is the question that I want to try to answer today with as much scriptural basis as I can reasonably fit into uh, <laughs> a couple hours. <laughs> it, it won't take that long. I made it through practically all of this with joy in about, what, half hour, 40 minutes last night? So, okay. So, <clears throat> I explained a little bit to you about the gospel of the kingdom and, and what that means. Uh, one, one thing that we have to understand, and I, I know this is, this is kind of a difficult thing for, for me to to teach, but it's an important thing for us to understand as we study the Bible and, and as, as we study in, in general. There's, there's a difference between a condition for something being a necessary condition for something to be true versus that same thing being a sufficient condition. For the other thing to be true. For, let me give you an example, okay? Take the example of winning an Olympic gold medal, okay? Well, well you might read, in order to win an Olympic gold medal, you, you have to be a member of an Olympic team from one of the countries that's participating in the Olympics. Well, that would be true. 
right? That, that is a necessary condition. It's not a sufficient condition. Because not everybody who's on an Olympic team from a country that's participating in the Olympics gets a gold medal, right? Or they wouldn't mean anything. <laughs> you, you not only have to be a member of the team from a participating country, you've got to win that race. <laughs> and if you do both A and B, then, yes, you get the gold medal, right? So... Both of those conditions are necessary in order to win the gold medal. Neither of them by themselves are a sufficient condition for getting an Olympic gold medal. For example, you, you could be a member of a team from a country that's participating and, and you could go to the Olympics, you could run the race, but you could come in Second, well, you don't get the gold medal. You could run the race and win, but somehow you snuck in there and you weren't on a team from any of the countries that are participating. Are they going to give you the gold medal? No way. So... Do you kind of get the difference between a necessary and a sufficient condition? Okay. So, so there are times in, in the Bible, in, in different passages, where we get part of the story. We, we don't get the whole story. To understand the whole truth about something, we've, we've got to look at all the passages that deal with it. And then we can see what might be necessary conditions for something to be true and what might be sufficient conditions for that to be true. Okay? Uh, all right. Um, so I, I, I do want to say this at the outset, and I probably will repeat it again at the end, because... What, what I don't want to happen from this teaching is, is that somebody come away uh, fearful, am, am I going to make it or not? Uh, I, I want to make the millennial kingdom. I, I want to be part of the first resurrection. Am I going to? Okay, so here to, to the best of my understanding and... Art and Arnie and Randy, you guys can help me here if you think I need to adjust this a little bit. But if, if you are born again, you, you believe in Jesus, you've called upon his name, you, you are generally living an obedient life, you are walking in the light that you have received from the Holy Spirit, you will receive the kingdom and you will be part of the first resurrection because that is what God is looking for. Uh, he's, he's looking for people who, who want to live according to his ways and that when God reveals his ways to us, we, we don't 
ignore it and harden our hearts. Instead, we say, ooh, yes, Lord, you're right. Uh, That needs to change. And I am willing to change. Change me. Okay? It's, It's not something that we accomplish with the power of our will. We ask the Lord then to bring forth that change in us from the inside out. And we agree with him the way by the way we're living that's that's how that works and and the gospel of the kingdom is that we just continue in that all our lives uh, well there are some problematic passages in in the new testament uh, related to getting to the first resurrection. So I, I want to talk about uh, some, some problems that people following God run into that can short-circuit things according to the Word of God. Okay? So the first one is those who will not inherit the millennial kingdom, basically, group one, okay, are, are those who are generally not abiding in Christ and not obedient to the Father. Because this is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, again, just before the passage that I read out of Matthew 7. This is verse 21. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. So, you can believe in Jesus, call upon his name, have eternal life, but not enter the kingdom of heaven, Because you've gotten stuck in a disobedient position before the Lord. That's why we're in a body together. Uh, Because the Lord wants us not to be able to hide this. (laughs) He, He wants us to be in community so that somebody can say, Are you okay? This morning, as you you seemed a little down this morning, and and then we encourage each other and strengthen each other, and we pray for each other, and then we. We get back on track and we start abiding in God, living our life unto God, and we become obedient again. And then we're okay. Second group, okay, are, and, and, and there is great similarity in these different groups because there, there are people who just, they get stuck and they continue in sin. 
And Galatians 5 is, is a, an important passage because, man, this, this, this is, I mean, a lot of us could find ourselves in this list, okay? This, this is not a, a little tiny list that people who do this, no, it's, it's like a lot of things, Okay. So Galatians 5:16 through 23. But I say, walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that your flesh wants you to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now Paul goes into a list. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife. Ooh. That's on the list. Jealousy. Fits of anger, fits of rage, some translations. Rivalries, dissensions, divisions. Ooh, envy, drunkenness, orgies. Okay, we can understand that. Things like these, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do, and really it's those who continue in such things, will not inherit the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit. So he, he doesn't want us to, to focus on the negative of what not to do. God gives us the solution. Pursue these things, the fruit of the Spirit, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things there is no law. So, what does that mean to not inherit the kingdom of God? <clears throat> well, my understanding of that, just as in the passage from Matthew 7:21 about not inheriting the kingdom of heaven uh, it's not inheriting the reward of participating in the thousand-year millennial reign of Jesus on the earth and and man, there's another group. See, it's, it's not just... Jesus talked about a narrow path and, and few that find it. Uh, those who rule and reign with Jesus in the millennial kingdom are, are going to be the ones that he can trust. That when the going gets tough, they're with him. So this other passage basically talks about those who just continue to live for themselves. 
And this is from Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 34. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Excuse me. For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation... Of him, the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. See, that sounds like when the millennial kingdom is ushered in. When Jesus returns in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. So, if, if we have laid down our life, and we've entered into the crucified life, if, if there's been a change in kingship, rulership in our life, such that I am no longer in charge in my life, Jesus is in charge in my life, and I'm going to do what he says, even if I really, really don't want to do it. Because otherwise, I'm saving my life, and I risk losing it. So this, this is what Jesus is saying, that, that those who, who have saved their life, they haven't entered into the crucified life, they, they continue to live as if they were their own, they're, they're going to be forgotten by Jesus when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. So, basically all of those things are the same. All, all three of those groups. It, it, it involves people who at one time were saying yes to God, and at some point they stopped saying yes to God and they started saying no and they never changed back around and started saying yes again. That, that, is, that is basically, that covers all three groups that I just mentioned. So, so our uh, motivation should be to not say no to God. <laughs> no matter what he says. Yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, I say yes, <laughs> I don't want to say yes, but I'm, I'm going to get to yes, <laughs> just not quite there, but I want to say yes, and sometimes that's all that's required. Lord, at least I, I want to want what you want. That is a great start. God can work with that. 
And then that becomes really wanting what he wants, even if our life and our behavior isn't quite there. Because after all, this is his work in us. And as, as long as we're saying yes and we're asking him to continue to do his work in us, then we're on the right path to, to be able to participate, partake in, in that first resurrection. The thing that we don't want to do is to say, nope, not doing that. Uh-uh. Ask me something else. Something easier. Less costly. <laughs> to my reputation, to my pocketbook, to my time, to my whatever. And if we close our heart off because of the big no that is in our heart, then we become at risk of, of missing out on the millennial kingdom. I, I believe that is what Scripture is saying. So we, we don't know exactly when Jesus will gather his church in the heavens. We do know what will happen when he does, whether the church is taken off the earth before, during, or after the tribulation. We will appear before the judgment seat of Christ as believers. And at that time, it will be determined who will take part in the first resurrection and reign with Jesus for that thousand years. And this is discussed in Revelation 20, verse, starting in verse 4. And I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony for Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are those who have part in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. Okay, this is one of those interesting uh, necessary but not sufficient passages. <laughs> uh, if, if this was the only passage that you read about those who will inherit the kingdom, the, the millennial kingdom, you might think you had to be a martyr in order to be found worthy to, to reign in the millennium. And I, I do not believe that is the case. I, I believe if we don't find ourselves 
in one of the specific groups that we're told will not inherit the kingdom, that we will inherit the kingdom. And we will rule and reign with Jesus for that thousand years. And here, here is a, an interesting verse that it was a hymn uh, in, in the very early church. It's 2 Timothy 2, 11 through 13. Here is a trustworthy saying, If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. So the key of that passage is if we died with him, meaning we entered into the crucified life, we entered into his life, I'm not living my life anymore, I'm living his life, and he's living it through me. Then we will live with him. And if we endure, if we're faithful to the end, we will reign with him. That's what I want you to see. So now the question uh, becomes, okay, so the faithful will, will take part in the first resurrection. Those who endure with him. What about those who don't? What happens to them? Well, I, I think we're, we're given some pretty clear instruction about what, what does happen and, and what, what is the, the alternative. Uh, I, I shared this passage uh, a couple weeks ago, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in, in verse 12. And it's the, the passage about our, our rewards. If anyone builds on the foundation, and the foundation is Christ in our life. It's the foundation is being born again. If anyone builds on that foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it. And that day, I believe, is the judgment seat of Christ for believers. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. That means it was gold, silver, precious stones. If anyone's work is burned up, meaning it was hay or stubble, he will suffer loss. Those things are, are not going to mean anything. Though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. And we, we have another picture of someone being saved as through fire in, in Zechariah, and it is Joshua the high priest, where he's described by Jesus as a brand plucked 
from the fire. Meaning, uh, you know, in Wyoming, we would think a brand would be like a piece of steel in there and it's just getting hot. Well, that's, that's not the context of the brand. The brand was a dry twig that was in the fire. <laughs> and if Jesus hadn't pulled it out real quick, it would have gone whoosh, along with the works of Joshua up to that point. That's what Paul is talking about here. So you, you can be saved as though through fire and, and not end up with an eternal reward if everything that you have done, everything you've built on the foundation of being born again was just your own works. The, the stuff that you thought, oh, well, this would be a nice thing for me to do for God. He, he might like me. If, if I do this. Uh, and, and that's going to be wood, hay, and stubble. See, the life that the Lord wants us to live is, is a life of faith, where we hear the voice of the Lord, we acknowledge it, and then we do what he said. And every time that happens in your life, in my life, there is some gold, some silver, some precious stone that's added on to that foundation. It, it doesn't matter what the outcome of what you did was. That is God's business. <laughs> His business is to tell us what to do, and our business is to do it. And not to worry about results, because he's going to get the result that he wants. And it may not initially look to us like it was even worthwhile. Well, that doesn't matter, because he is seeing everything that he's doing on a million levels in 500 million people's lives on, on the earth and how they're all interconnected, and we just can't even understand it all. So that's part of what this, this passage is saying. So what, what happens to those who are, their works are burned up and they're saved as through fire? And, and to me, it's, there was an expression we had when I was growing up, if, if you just barely made it. It was by the skin of your teeth. I, I think that is what Paul is trying to communicate here as being saved as though through fire. It's like you're, you're dangling above the fire and you're, you're pulled out of it because all your work's burned up, but, but you get pulled out. So those who are getting pulled out, where do they end up? Because they're, they're not inheriting the first resurrection and ruling and reigning with Jesus in the millennium. So I'm going to read a few passages that all allude to the answer to that question. The first one in chronological order uh, is Matthew chapter 8, where Jesus encounters a Gentile who has amazing 
faith. So when Jesus heard this, when he heard what the centurion said about, you don't even have to come to my house, I'm not worthy. If you want to heal my daughter, just say it and it'll be done. Because I know how authority structures work and you're obviously at the top, so if you want it to happen, that's good enough for me. That's the context of what Jesus is saying. And he marveled and said to those who followed him, who were almost probably entirely Jewish people, truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from the east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness." In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, Go, let it be done to you, uh, done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. <clears throat> so it was his servant, not his daughter. Uh, so the context of what Jesus is saying here is that the sons of the kingdom, those, those were the, the people of Israel at the time because they had the law. They, they were to be the representation of the kingdom of God on the earth at the time Jesus came. So, so he called them the sons of the kingdom because they had access to all the revelation of God. But they weren't entering in when Jesus continually preached, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's, it's right here if you just believe and receive and take it. And sometimes you can just see Jesus almost pleading with those people. And, you know, he talked about Jerusalem, how he, he wished he, he could be like a, a hen gathering her, her chicks from, from Jerusalem because he, he so in his heart wanted them to enter into the kingdom, but they rejected it. And what was going to happen to those sons of the kingdom people who had the revelation but they ignored it. Well, it says clearly, this is not a parable. Jesus said they're, they're going to end up in outer darkness. Okay, so what is outer darkness? It's a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. That doesn't sound pleasant. There's weeping because there is horrible regret. It didn't have to be this way. I, if only I would have listened to Jesus and done what he said. And there's gnashing of teeth because there is anger. Why didn't anybody warn me about this? 
I thought I was part of the people of God and I was going to get everything. That's weeping and gnashing of teeth. But see, now now put what Jesus is saying in the context of America in the 20th century. Who are the sons of the kingdom now? Who has access to the revelation of God? Who has access to the promises of God? It is the church, people. And how many people in the church are rejecting the gospel of the kingdom just as much as the people of Israel when Jesus was walking the earth? And that is what Jesus is saying here. If you are my people and you reject me as king, you reject my gospel, you reject living the life that I have for you on the earth that is filled with glory and blessing and everything else, I can't trust you to rule and reign and bring my kingdom in fullness in the millennial reign. That is what Jesus is saying. Now there's a a few more references to this as well. But see this, there, there is a reason that the Lord is releasing this revelation to us right now. Because with, with this understanding, we can be empowered and encouraged to be faithful to the end. Because we know what's in store. It's ruling and reigning with Jesus. And it is what God wants. I mean, God desires that all of his children would enter fully into the gospel and abide in Jesus and live their life unto God and be obedient to what the Father is saying and all inherit the kingdom. It's, God doesn't want to send anybody to outer darkness. It's our choice. That's that's why right now the whole kingdom is is all voluntary. We can choose or we can choose something else. We we have way too many options in America. And and a time is coming when God is going to severely narrow our options (laughs) so that it will be easier for the people of God to choose him. And not be distracted by so much. But we, we have to uh, choose we, to, to be prepared for those times. We, we have to build an ark now. By obeying everything that Jesus said in Matthew 
5, 6, and 7. That is how we build a house on the rock. It's by hearing what Jesus said and doing it. Not hearing it and saying, well, maybe I'll get around to that like in a couple of years when I'm not quite so busy. And we, we don't want to go there. The, the times that we're in are not normal. And so for us to hear a message like this and... You know, I don't want to put a guilt trip on anybody because I'm I'm wondering what time Iowa is playing today in the NCAA tournament. Is <laughs> they won their first game by 30 points, and <laughs> first time that's happened in like 20 years. I don't know, <laughs> but we we can't hear a message like this and then just go back to life as normal. Because there, we, we can't just assume that, that one day the Lord is just going to make us ready for all the pressure that's coming. There, there is His part and there is our part. And, and our part, I believe, is, is ramping up. if we want to be ready. Because this, this is what's coming, okay? This, this is what I believe is, is coming in, in the near future. And I don't know if it's six months away or if it's a year and a half away or if it's two weeks away. But the Lord is, is going to have a great harvest as we approach the end of the age. And, and there, there are people that the Lord is going to pour out His Spirit upon a, a baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire like hasn't been seen very many times in, in the last 2,000 years. And, and he, he is not going to interrupt a TV program to do that for us. He, he rewards the hungry and, and he gives drink to the thirsty. And, and so, if, if you and I want to have reward, I mean, I, I am telling you, for those people who are prepared and receive the glory of the Lord that's going to be poured out, I mean, it's going to be a skyscraper. Because the access to the power of God and, and His glory is, is going to be like nothing that we've seen. It's, it's going to be something that we've only heard about. Like when Peter preached just this this simple message and and 3000 people fall to the ground and say how can i be saved what what must i do 
I mean, we're, we're going to see that over and over and over again. Because there, there is a harvest that the Lord is going to bring in at the end of the age. And, and my heart is, is that we would all be, be so seeking after God in, in this time that, that he would see us as, as a people, as a, a place where he can say, okay, if you're asking for it, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm ready to pour it out. So here you go. <laughs> and then we get that mess that I was talking about in the very beginning. I want the mess. Um, I'm going long. Um, I'm not sorry, but... Uh, <laughs> I don't feel like I really need to go through all of the other passages that that relate to uh, the outer darkness. Because what what I see the outer darkness as as being, we we know from Revelation that in the presence of God there there is awesome light. I mean, we're we're told in Revelation that. We're not even going to need the sun anymore because God is dwelling with us and he's just providing light everywhere. Uh, so the place of outer darkness is nowhere near God. It, it is not a place of punishment but it is a severe place of regret. It, it is quite likely that those in the outer darkness may be able to see the kingdom from a great distance and, and see the glory and the kingdom of God coming on the whole earth in, in that millennial reign, but, but they, they will not be participating. And, and that will be painful. It's, it's not like they're go- going to lose their eternal life because at the end of the millennium, when the new heaven and the new earth are ushered in, then all of those who have called upon the name of the Lord, all of those who have believed, as Jesus said in John 3, 16, they will have eternal life. And they will be part of the kingdom that is given to the Father. Now, there are still some questions that I'm studying through on, on some of this. Because initially it seemed to me that, and I'll, I'll give you these other passages, and I, and I will send out my notes along with the, the email this week. Uh, if you want to look more in, into the outer darkness, um, there's, 
the parable of the wedding feast in Matthew 22. There's um, the parable of the ten virgins in Matthew 25 and the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. Um, so if you want to look in a little more detail, Art? One point I'd like to make on the first resurrection, mm -hmm. uh, actually according to Scripture on the, the first resurrection, that will be the entire church. However, as far as entering the kingdom, mm -hmm. that will not be. Right. And, uh, and on, on the first resurrection, mm -hmm. that began with Jesus. And the first fruits, if you'll remember all those people that appeared in Jerusalem, the, the ones who rose from the dead. Those that would be Matthew talks about. The Old Testament <clears throat> Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all the ones that placed their faith and trust in the Messiah to come. Well, that's what the church has done. Mm -hmm. uh, as far as I'll call it the rapture. Mm -hmm. if, if you want to reference that, First uh, Thessalonians 4, starting with verse 13. But I would not have you uh, to be ignorant, brothers, concerning those who are asleep or those who are dead, mm -hmm. uh, that you be not sorrowful, even as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, okay, that is mm -hmm. eternal life, mm -hmm. okay? So this is anybody that believes that uh, uh, and rose again, even those that are still dead uh, in Christ, uh, God, uh, I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to do is convert the King James to uh, modern English just for, for you all. <laughs> Verse 15, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we uh, who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who are dead. Mm -hmm. okay. Th this is talking about everybody here. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise, rise first. Mm -hmm. Not part of them. This is all of them. Uh, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Mm -hmm. We which are alive, that's the church. Mm -hmm. Now, the problem is we're going to go from there to the judgment seat of Christ. Mm -hmm. That's where the rewards are being passed out. Right. Well, there's good rewards, there's bad rewards. Getting cast into outer darkness is definitely not a good reward. Mm -hmm. Okay? So... Yeah, and that... Then after that point, from the time of the rapture until the time of the end, there's going to be people killed mm -hmm. uh, for the testimony of Christ. They're right. going to be raised up right at the end where the thrones are, Revelation 20. Mm -hmm. That entire sequence is the first resurrection. Right. And, so. and I've got one more passage <clears throat> related to that. So my apology for not making that clear. Because, yeah, there's the first resurrection does involve all of those who have eternal life. But then Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 3, a different resurrection. It's, it's the only time in the New Testament that this particular Greek word for resurrection is used. 
And I'll, I'll read you the passage. Philippians 3, starting in verse 11. Uh, <clears throat> in some of the other translations, that verse begins, If by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And that that is the word um, that is existensis, that Greek word. And it's the only time in the New Testament that that word is used. So if by any means possible, I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Walk in the light that you've been given. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and their glory is in their shame, with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself." So this this is a significant passage in in understanding uh what I've been saying about the difference between the general resurrection of those who believe uh the the rapture of the church the the raising up of of those who had died versus what Paul is saying here in verse 11 because what he's talking about in that first verse, if by any means possible that I may attain the resurrection from the dead, because it has, uh, this Greek word has uh, the prefix ex, it means out. So what Paul is wanting to make sure that he gets to participate in is is the out-resurrection receiving what he talked about in verse 21, the glorious body that those will receive who get to take part in the millennium. So it's, it's out of the general resurrection that there is a special resurrection for those who get to take part in the millennium because they receive their glorified bodies for the millennium. And, and that is what 
Paul's talking about here in, in Philippians 3. That this is an amazing passage and, and worthy of meditation and study <laughs> to, to understand what, what I've been saying. It's, it's a key passage. So, <laughs> do, you, do you have any questions? Uh, are, are there things that, that are not clear? I, I want to open it up if, if anybody has questions, because I, I don't want you to leave here with uh, some, some, something hanging in, in your understanding. So, please, and, and thanks for bringing that up, Art. I didn't, I didn't mean to miscommunicate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll repeat the question. What about those people who die young? Uh, pre- yeah. Uh, there, there's a way that I used to answer that, uh, and it, it dealt with the age of accountability. Uh, where at at a certain age, we... We know that we're doing wrong, and we we can clearly choose to to do right or or to do wrong. And uh, <clears throat> you know, if if you were beyond the age of accountability, and and you had not called upon the name of the Lord, not believed in Jesus, then I, I didn't have any hope for for those people. Now, there's there's another understanding uh, about that, and it I don't know that I'm quite here yet either. <laughs> but in the New Testament, there are clearly three different types of people. There there are the wise, the foolish, and the evil. Um. It, it is possible, and like I said, I'm, I, I haven't studied this out enough to have agreed with it, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm laying it out there. there. There are those who believe that in the millennium, any of those who never heard the gospel, and as a result never responded positively to the gospel, may, may get another chance. And I'm I'm not willing to say that that definitely is not the case. <laughs> I'm I'm not prepared to tell you today that I really think that is the case, but it it's possible. And and we know that God is a God of mercy and a God of justice. There there are those who who choose wickedness, and. I, I don't see another chance for them. But, but there are those who die in ignorance and those who died before Jesus. Uh, maybe they do get another chance. But from, from now on, <laughs> let's, let's try to give as many people the opportunity to call upon the name of the Lord, to believe in Jesus and, and hear the, the whole gospel of the kingdom 
not just believe in Jesus and, and you're, you're good to go. We, we need to share testimonies. We need to be reminded of what God has done. Prayers that he's answered. And that encourages us to continue. Because, I, yeah, I, I've been praying for, for this that I feel like we're on the verge of for at least 25 years. And, and I've come through a season of hope deferred making the heart sick. And one of the remedies for that is, is to remember what God has done. And we, we need to keep in mind the, the goodness of God. See, what, what's going to happen is as we approach the end of days, the end of the age, and the persecution ramps up, the great apostasy takes place, um, you know, we, we see these events <laughs> not on the far horizon, but on the, on the relatively close horizon. And, and we remember the goodness of God, that he is, he is going to use the least severe means possible to bring the greatest number of people into his kingdom in that time. So for those who may be rejecting the gospel now, as their range of choices in life <laughs> is narrowed, <laughs> I, I believe many of those will come into the kingdom. So be encouraged. Don't give up. Okay, well, thank you. Uh, So let's let's pray. Uh, Father, I, I just thank you that you're for us. Uh, you you so want us to make it all the way. Uh, you want that for us even more than we do. I, I pray, Lord, that you'd release hunger and thirst in our hearts. That, Lord, you would prune us. That that we could be more fruitful in the, in the fruits of the Spirit, uh, that we would live unto you, that we would abide in you, that we would obey you. So give us soft hearts, Lord. And I pray you'd show us people who need to hear the gospel and that we would just enter in to the harvest even now for, for the glory of your son and in his name we pray amen